Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. Just a quick question for you on RMDs. So I'm 26 years old. I'm currently maxing out my 401k and have been for the past three years. Is there any downside to maxing out your 401k long-term where you might have an RMD problem when you reach retirement? And provides unbiased answers. That you're required to take a certain percentage out of your retirement accounts every year because the government wants you to add that to your income for that year and pay income tax. They want their tax dollars. Invest Talk. Over 32 million downloads and counting. I had a question today about the travel stocks, uh, specifically Norwegian Cruise Lines. Looking for a recovery play. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast everybody and welcome to invest talk it is tuesday june 29th 2021 the fourth of july just right around the corner matter of fact uh, you know of course it's america's birthday it's this sunday july 4th is this sunday just in case you didn't jot that down Okay, and on today's program and podcast here at investtalk.com, investtalk radio show, investtalk podcast, you know, we mention the same mission statement every day, independent thinking and shared success. And you know, if you think about it, what what does that really mean? I mean, it's just a little saying, but Justin and I make every effort, every effort to share the information, whatever information we have with you when you call and ask your question. We make every effort to make sure it's clear, concise, and accurate. And that's what we mean. And unbiased. We don't buy other people's information or ideas. We don't. We have our own, and we try to give you that information when you ask the question. And we do it every day, and we try to do it without any, I don't know, we try not to shade it. I mean, though, I know we have biases ourselves, we do. Um, you know, I've told you my bias. I don't like airline stocks. I don't like auto stocks. But, and that's a bias. Doesn't mean I'll never own them, but I tend to shy away from them. But I'm, I'm trying to be honest with my own biases. But we're trying to be as accurate as we can, and we will continue to do that. Okay? I'm Steve Peasley, and I encourage you to give me a call. You can ask any financial question, investment questions, anyone that you have. As long as they stay on that the money side of the equation, we'll talk about it. Okay, so you can call me right now. We're live. Uh, 888-99-CHART is our number. 888-99-CHART. Um, and we're live 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday. Of course, you can ask your questions anytime, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We try to answer the questions on the next show. So why don't we go ahead and take a call right now. Hi, Steve and Justin. Steve Osher calling in here from New Hampshire. Just a quick question for you on RMDs. So I'm 26 years old. I'm currently maxing out my 401k and have been for the past three years. Well, obviously, it's a good problem, but a little nervous that I might be having an RMD problem as I enter retirement if I continue to max out my traditional accounts. I also max out my Roth IRA and health savings accounts, so I am taking advantage of other vehicles, but 
Is there any downside to maxing out your 401k long-term where you might have an RSD problem when you reach retirement? I uh, look forward to the answer on the podcast. Thanks. Well, no, there isn't, but you are going to have an RMD and retirement, an RMD problem, I guess. That's how you describe it, a problem, meaning you will be required to take money out, and that money that you are required to take at, at a certain age, I think it's 72 now. Someone can correct me. It used to be 70. I think they changed the law within the last year. Um, that you're required to take a certain percentage out of your retirement accounts every year because the government wants you to add that to your income for that year and pay income tax. They want their tax dollars. Whereas a Roth, you don't have to do that. But every other type of account, IRA, regular IRA, regular 401k, you're going to have to count the withdrawal in retirement as income and pay income tax. Now, that is an, a problem, but you, there's no way around it. You can't get around it. You can do a backdoor Roth uh, you, you know, with your IRA, current IRA, and try to put more money in the Roth uh, by transferring some from your IRA, but you need to talk to an accountant about those things, okay, about that. You know, what kind of tax burden will that cause you now? How much will it cost? Anyways, my focus point today concerns a story. A, a Fed official has warned that the U.S. cannot afford a housing market boom and bust cycle. We've had boom and bust cycles forever in housing. I don't know. What do you mean that America can't afford it? Well, we can afford it. It's just painful, extremely painful. Anyway, we'll talk about that in more details. Um, I also have a few other things. I know, You probably noticed gold being down. Well, why is that happening? Why is gold weakened? Especially with inflation being high. Uh, have you heard about the Fidelity Youth Account for 13 to 17-year-olds? Fidelity Youth Account. Explain that a little bit. I think Fidelity has an idea, has hit on an idea here that I think is going to spread. So I want to talk about it. Did you see the Facebook antitrust suit that was tossed out by a judge? Don't be so fast to think that that's the end. I think that's just the beginning of, of the antitrust problems that Facebook is going to be dealing with. So it, it's, it's nice for Facebook for the time being, but they still got a lot of issues they're going to have to fight through. Those are going to be the talking points that I'm going to discuss. The market was up today. The, na- the Dow was up nine whole points. Ooh-wee, nine points. The NASDAQ was up 28, and the S&P was up 1. So, wasn't a lot of action by the end of the day. A lot of, but they were all up. They were all up. So, so that's good news. Just not up very much. But that's how it is. It's okay. There, there's going to have to be some kind of catalyst to drive the market higher. I don't know what it would be. I don't know if we're going to get it. This summer, no one knows. And, of course, you could have a black swan event coming from out of left field. And, you know, you can't prepare for that. That's the, the name of the thing is black swan. And that, that definition is unforeseeable. It just comes out of nowhere. How often have you seen a black swan? Rare. So, could happen. It, they come around every so often. We're heading to a break. This is Invest Talk. Phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. Call right now, 888 99 Chart. 
look at the calendar. Summer is here. The market's been exhibiting volatility, so investors are exposed to vulnerability. But you can implement strategies to better protect your portfolio. Steve Peasley is here now, and he's ready for your finance and investment questions. Call Talk 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Alan from Hayward, California. Love the show. Just wanted to know what you think a good entry point would be for Crown Castle International Corporation, ticker symbol CCI. It shot up a little bit, and uh, I'm just wondering if I'd be late to the party. Uh, Just wondering what you think. Thanks. Bye. Well, you are late. I mean, that's just the way it is. But let's see if we can find you a buy point. Crown Castle International, everybody, it's a REIT, Real Estate Investor Trust, that owns wireless towers in the U.S., Australia, Puerto Rico, and you know, for for wireless service providers. So those towers, they own those towers. Um, it's a very solid company. It's growing, you know, seven percent this year earnings, seven percent more than last year, which was. 1% growth. Sales are uh, increasing by, uh, the last two quarters by 5%. So it's not a huge growth company anymore. Used to be, but not anymore. Um, they pay a 2.7% dividend. Uh, return equity is 11%, which is a little light. Cash flow is strong. Everything is pretty strong. They have a little bit more debt than I uh, would like to see. But being a REIT, Real Estate Investor Trust, they borrow money to buy things or build things. So necessarily a problem but you're looking problem but you're looking for an entry point so looking at a chart that's how you get entry points the best entry point would be 180 to 190 that would be the best entry point range it's at 197 now so it broke out if it broke it breaks above 200 i think you just got to buy it and that would be your entry point because it's trading at about a 30 pe now, normally you would think that, well, that's kind of high, but the lowest P they've ever had was 19. The highest is 77. So, you know, at least in the last five years. So it's not a terribly high price, even though the, it has moved up consistently for quite some time. I don't like chasing performance. I don't. But, you know, sometimes you have to. Okay, um, let's see. My focus point today. Um, you know, I t- we, uh, it's, it concerns a Fed official who warned about the U.S. cannot afford a housing market boom and bust cycle. We've had these many times, and I'm not sure why he thinks we can avoid it. I, I don't, I'm not, you know, how can we avoid a boom and bust cycle? Because that's kind of the nature of everything, isn't it? I mean, if I'm looking back at housing. I can see about every 10 to 15 years there being a boom and bust cycle. It's kind of common. So the Fed has to know that it helped contribute greatly to the current boom cycle by pressing so hard on interest rates downward. That produces a boom cycle in housing because the mortgage rates are so low. They're below three or right around three. So if they don't, if they were serious about not having a boom and bust, boom and bust cycle, and not talking about all the other issues, why to have low or interest rates, but 
if they're worried about that, all they have to do is raise the, in, the their interest rates, the overnight rates, all they have to do. They don't even have to do that. They probably could just stop buying bonds, and that will raise, that'll make the rates, rates increase. Rates increase, mortgage rates will increase, there'll be less of a boom going on, won't there? People can't, you know, they'll start raising their rates on mortgage. People can't afford to, to get a mortgage. They can't afford to get a mortgage, and you have enough people who can't do that. The buyers start to dry up. Prices start to flatten out. I mean, this this is why I was reading this article about this Rose, Fed Rosengreen. Rosengreen? Rosengreen. Uh, and I'm thinking he's Philadelphia Fed uh, president. Boston, I'm sorry, Boston Fed president. And he's talking, and he's saying, you know, we want to want to avoid the boom and bust cycle of housing. Well, you know, they some you have to look at what they say and compare that with what they're doing. He's just trying to talk that he would like like to have a boom boom and bust cycle. Well, so what? You your actions are you got super low interest rates, and you're buying uh, mortgages in the open market in the tune of forty to eighty billion dollars a month. That's going to produce low interest rates and therefore the boom in the housing market. So why is he even talking about it? It makes no sense that he thinks he should, you know, say that, say that, oh, we don't really want a boom and bust cycle. You're producing it. Anyway, get me all upset with the Fed. <laughs> 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Give me a call. We'll talk about anything financial. As long as you stay on the financial side of the equation, I'm with you. Okay? So, 888-992-4278. Now, gold has been going down. The market didn't do anything today, but gold went down pretty good. And we know that gold has been weak, right? We know it's weaker than we'd like it to be. So, why? If inflation is increasing... You'd think that gold would go up. Well, inflation is increasing, even though another Fed today said that he felt that inflation is only going to be around 2 to 3% by year end, which is much higher than that right now. But that's what he thought. The problem, has, the problem we have is the dollar is going up too. The dollar is going up. Therefore, gold will go down if the dollar goes up. Gold goes up if inflation increases, so there's a tug of war going on. We've seen a dollar in inflation over gold prices. I still think we're going to have another run-up in gold. I can't tell you exactly when, how much, but, you know, it's very difficult to predict that kind of thing. But I think gold is is, is should be part of a portfolio at this point. And I'm not a big gold person. I'm not something that someone who says, well, you need to put gold to save yourself. Oh, no, no, I'm not that way. Okay, we have a break, and Sid from Ontario, Canada is on the line. So you'll be next, Sid, 888-99-CHART. And I've got a question about warrant shares. I think that's the right term. Got a question for Steve or Justin? 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. 
Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. 888 Let's talk to Sid in Canada. How you doing, Sid? Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Uh, I want to discuss about uh, sticker symbol SREV. Uh, it's a very small size company, but looks like a lot of institutions count and uh, some insiders have bought up a good number of stocks and i just want to take a positions but before that i want to check if there is any blind spot that i should be aware of what is your feedback on that thank you so much for your time okay thank you this is service service source international very very small company uh it provides service revenue management and software services for for enterprises in the healthcare and technology industry it's only a $128 million company, so it's really, really small. Selling for $1.32. It made money in 2016, 17, and 18. And, nine, no, and 18, yeah. It made between 4 and $0.08 cents a share. 2019, it lost $0.04 cents a share. 2020, it lost $0.02 cents a share. Next year, this year, it's going to lose a penny a share. So it doesn't make any money. And what bothers me is sales, sales. If they're not making money, we at least need to have sales going up. And sales have been shrinking for eight quarters in a row, during 10% last quarter. I, I'm not very happy about it. I, I don't know if I, I don't, I would not be an owner of this company. You are right. Management owns like 3% and funds own like 38% of the company. So it's a very unusual for this small of a company to have that big of a participation by institutional investors, funds mutual funds, or other institutional investors. So somebody is high on the stock, but that somebody is just not me. I, I don't like buying stocks. Now, the last three days, it's been moving up nicely, starting to try to make some move upward. But I don't like the fact that it doesn't make money and its sales are shrinking. That has to turn around before I'm interested in even looking at it. Let's keep things moving and go back to the Invest Talk voice bank for a question from a listener in Chicago. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Jason from Chicago. I had a question today about the travel stocks, uh, specifically Norwegian Cruise Lines. Looking for a recovery play, take a small position in that, maybe leaving it for a year or two. What's your thoughts on that, and what kind of recovery do you think that they will have? Thank you for your time. I look forward to your answer. This is Norwegian Cruise Line, operates a cruise line service in North America, Europe, Central and South America, and the Caribbean. So the, the way I look at these things is if they're going to recover to where they were before, they were making five, four or $5 a share in 2018, 2019. The stock is $28. If it gets there, that means the PE would be about five. So can they get their earnings up? Well, they lost $8.64 a share in 2020. This year, they're going to lose $6.59. Next year, they're going to make $0.52. Cents. So it's going to take them a while to get their sales back up, get things. I mean, they're going from $1.2 to $1.5 billion, okay, per quarter to $3 million. See, so they've, they've got a, a lot of work ahead of them. So you have to be patient. Um, is it a time to get in them? Uh, well, if you want to take a big risk, 
Yeah, this is about the price you would take it at. A little under $30 is good. It's at $28.91. $25.26 is a big, uh, pretty strong support area. So right in here is starting to hit support, meaning that probably won't go down more. But it's also hitting resistance between $33 and $34 a share. So it's in that kind of range right now. But uh, if you be patient and they can get back to their old earnings, which eventually they might be able to, it depends on how much damage they took, you know, during this, this you know, how much damage. Are they going to have to produce more money? Are they going to, you know, do they have the ships or did they get rid of them? What, what, what happened? You know, all that I don't know. I can't tell from here. Okay, that's uh, Norwegian Cruise Center. Uh, NCLH is the symbol. It's still a $10 billion company. Still big cap. Still is. Okay, quickly, uh, Fidelity. See, I don't know if I, I can do that one quick. Uh, see, I don't know if I can do that one quick. Okay, we'll start it anyways. Fidelity came, has come up with a new account called the Fidelity Youth Account. That's the name of it. And these accounts for 13 to 17-year-old kids. Okay, 13 to 17-year-old kids. This is an account that is their account, not mama and daddy's account, their account. Even though mom and dad have supervision, mom and dad can close the account, mom and dad could do certain things. But it's the kids' money, not the parents' money. Anyways, I, I think this might be a very good idea to get kids interested in investing and those who have interest wanting to do it. Now, some of the some of the things you can't do, for instance, uh, I'll name some of the things you can't do after the break, uh, but there are certain restrictions, and these restrictions can be pretty tight, which probably makes a lot of sense. Okay? On the list of things we dread, job interviews are right there at the top. I haven't done one in so long. <coughs> Excuse me. There's always a bit of tension, right? What if you uh, asked a well-intentioned question the wrong way? What if you answered it the wrong way? What happens? Well, you're going to make a bad impression. You're not going to get the job. So what? So this is my trivia question. Can you name three or four uh, uh, things or damaging phrases you must never say? Okay, never say that's right after the break. We'll have that. 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk Output is connected to listener input. I uh, appreciate the show. Appreciate all the knowledge. Thanks, guys. In other words, Invest Talk answers are connected to caller questions. We're looking to purchase a home next year once the housing market swings back a little bit in our favor. Well, I'm not keen on investing money that's earmarked for a house to the stock market, because the stock market is so volatile. And over time, for regular listeners, enriched market know-how is connected with InvestTalk guidance. We don't take anybody's bearish or bullish or neutral rating as gospel. What we may look into, though, is why. What's their reasoning? Since InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are fearless advocates for financial freedom, loyal listeners can strengthen their portfolio strategies and very possibly improve their investing success by their connection with InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? 
Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. The InvestTalk phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Okay, so for, before the break, I was mentioning the Fidelity Youth account for 13 to 17-year-old teenagers at Fidelity's brand new uh, offering. And this is money that the kids own. But there are restrictions, and some of the restrictions are they cannot trade anything other than uh, Fidelity mutual funds, okay, but they can do stocks, but they can't do REITs, they can't do bonds, treasuries, convertibles, leverage ETFs, inverse ETFs, they can't do any, can't trade in any of those, no shorting, no options, no margin, and no penny stocks. That means they can buy well-established companies that are traded on major exchanges. That's what that means. But I think it's a good idea, actually. I really do. Okay, before the break, we had a, I had a trivia question. Uh, can you name three or four damaging phrases you must never say or questions you should never ask during a job interview? Okay, for instance, don't say, I don't have any questions. You have to be interested. Uh, my nieces and nephews, when they ask me about it, when they go on to interview, and it just happens every so often, I, I tell them whatever company they're interviewing with, look the company up, find out what they do, find out who the big head honchos are or the new products they put out or whatever. And during the interview, you ask questions about that. Because if you ask questions about that, they know that you are interested in their company and this job with their company. You know, um, for instance, let's say they just got a brand new CEO. Well, you should ask, well, John Smith, the new CEO, uh, is he going to take the company in a different direction? See, 
tells them several things right there. You're interested in the company. You know who the new CEO is. You mentioned his name. See, that puts you miles ahead. So don't say, I don't have any question. Never badmouth your last boss. You know, stuff like, my last boss was a real jerk. Or he was totally unaware of what's going on. You don't badmouth anybody in an interview. You do not. If they ask you, well, why'd you leave your last job? You say something benign, something vanilla. You don't lie, but you certainly don't say, well, I, me and the boss, I didn't like him. He didn't like me, so, you know, he was a real jerk. Uh, you're not going to get the job. Don't say, how'd I do? You don't ask them how you did during the interview. What you do is you say, thank you, shake their hand, walk away, tell them you're very interested, and look forward to hearing from them. Okay, and after, uh, then you might send them an email that afternoon thanking them again for the opportunity to interview you. There's, there's very certain things you could do to help you get that job. Act interested. And another thing, don't ask how much it pays. You should have that on your resume. Your salary range is X to X. That's what you're looking for. But don't ask them, well, how much does it pay? I don't know if I'll take the job if you don't, if you don't pay enough. <laughs> They're not going to, they don't want you. And believe it or not, I've interviewed many, many people in my, my career being self-employed. And you'd be amazed how stupid some of these people that you're interviewing are. I had one person interviewing asking me, well, uh, I see you have a health plan. Does it cover drug abuse? <laughs> that tells me, are you a druggie? And I'm going to hire you because you have you have a problem with drugs? I'm not going to hire you. You see? <laughs> I mean, come on. Think about it, everybody. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's go to Bill in California. How you doing, Bill? Hey, Steve. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Thanks for calling. Um, so, you got my stock pick there? Constellation, uh, Constellation Brands. Brands. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. You, want, you want to buy can it? You tell me about their earnings. and I've had okay. it for, like, Four years now, and it's just okay. been kind of craps. But okay, what do you let's, think going forward, it's let's take a look. Constellation Brands, everybody. A symbol is STZ produces and distributes branded beer, wine, spirits in the U.S., Canada, New Zealand, and New Zealand and Italy. It's big. It's forty-five billion dollars size. They made nine dollars and ninety-seven cents last year. That was up from nine dollars and twelve cents a year before. This year, they're going to make ten dollars. Uh, and seven cents next year, eleven dollars and seventy-five cents, and it's a two hundred thirty-one dollar stock. The problem is, is it's pretty expensive stock for growing only in the low single digits percentage-wise. Normally, now most recent two quarters ago it grew twenty-two percent, but that's an outlier because of the shrinkage the quarters before that. But usually, it's growing three, four percent, three or four percent. So then it probably shouldn't get more than a market PE range of around fifteen. Okay, well, then that means the stock is worth about 160 170 It's trading at $231. See, I, I think it's just expensive. That's why it can't go anywhere. You're going to have to wait a long time before it becomes reasonable price. You know, so the, the other way you look at it is, well, then it must be paying a pretty good dividend. No, it only pays 1.3%. So, so there's not a lot of reasons for me to want to own this company, to be honest. It's just not... Either it's got to pay a higher dividend or it's got to be a, 
a better value, and it's neither one of those. Not, not high on my list, Bill. Okay, let's go to Mark in Cincinnati. Mark. Hey, how's it going, Steve? Good. Thank you for the call. Um, yeah, so I'm calling about a ticker symbol FTNT. Um, okay. It's a cybersecurity company. It's um, it's very expensive at these levels, but I know in the future, um, I think cybersecurity is going to be a big um, a big industry, and especially with all the government you know cracks that they've had recently. Yep. Um, I was interested in this, and it, the revenue is growing um, year after year. It looks it's, it's a profitable company, and I know it's very expensive. But I was just trying to get your opinion on a, a good buy-in point and. Oh, if there would be a company you guys would be interested in. Okay, I do like this sphere, and you're absolutely correct. It's uh, the the space, the the cybersecurity space is already big, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, this is Fort Fortinet Fortinet Inc. Uh, develops unified threat management systems to protect security and networking solutions. And I was talking about um, higher security systems for our, my little office today. I'm willing to pay top dollar. Okay, but you're right. It is expensive. But it probably deserves to be expensive. Now the question, well, how expensive should it does it deserve? They're going to make $4.34 next year. They made three seventy-three this year. So it makes good money. It's always made money for years and years. They're growing about 20% sales, 21 22% per quarter. So they're growing their sales very strong. Management owns 15%, so they're pretty focused. The mutual funds are net buyers, you know, over the last year. And they own about 48% of the company. So a lot of people like this company. It is a $243 company, $243 a share. It's going to make $4.34. There's your problem, right? I mean, we're talking about a 50, 60 PE. And that's kind of at the top of its range, so you're buying it even for itself. The lowest it's been is around 27 p in the last five years. So that's the lowest it's been. Now, I would probably wait for a market pullback and a pullback in the company. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But you, you know, ideally, between $200 and $210 a share, that's where you find very strong support. If it ever got down there, that would be a great place to buy it. Will it get down there? Well, I think it's a possibility, but the whole market's got to have a bigger correction than we just went through. Then maybe it'll pull down. Anytime the market corrects and this will go down with it, no matter how deep it is, that's probably a buying opportunity for you. And that you're going to have to just jump on it. I mean, I, I don't see market's just going to be tough because it's already had a great run, and I don't think it's done. Yeah, you know, I don't. I think it's doing a girl. So. You could buy maybe half a position now and just grit your teeth and own it and then buy another half position when it falls, you know, to get fully invested. Good luck with it. Well, on the 4th of July it's a holiday, which will be here on Sunday, and that but Monday is a holiday for everybody else, but that's the 4th of July holiday. It's only five days away. So to me, the year sure feels like it's moving very, very fast. I mean, much faster than last year. That seemed like a drag to me. I'm sure it did to everybody else, too. So, 
on almost every podcast, I like to reserve a minute or two to talk about KPP, Klein, Pavlis, Peasley Financial, our firm, my firm, Justin and I are the owners. We're based in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County in Southern California, between San Diego and L.A. I don't know if all of you know that. Uh, and here at KPP Financial, we op- operate with a philosophy of independence thinking, share success, meaning we try to give unbiased guidance. We practice parallel investing, meaning we buy the same things for ourselves personally as we do for our clients at the same price, same time. So we're on the same side of the fence as you are at all times. Um, and I encourage you to take advantage of our free offer, you know, portfolio review. You know, most money managers look at your portfolio for free. They want to. So do we. And the reason being is they want to see a number, a few things. What kind of investor you are? What are you doing with your money now? How big is your account? How much effort do I want to spend on your, on you? And that's that's a little different for us. I, I of course I want bigger accounts, but I don't care if you're small. We'll still help you. I, I want to help the smaller guy as much as I can. Now I can't tell you what to buy and sell or anything like that, but I can give you suggestions and hints and point out any mistakes I see uh, but you know it, it's just that we don't mind helping where we can of course we want you as a client everybody does but you know our difference is we put our money where the, our mouth is we buy the same things and we'll help the smaller guy we may not be able to manage this very small account but we'll help him so we want to help really so give us a call go to investdot.com Email me, ask questions, whatever you want, we'll we'll answer it. Now, next up, another unbiased answer to a listener question. We will play the question in a minute, so listen up. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while, have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Good afternoon, Steve or Justin. I own a small business. It's classified as an LLC. It's basically a small engine repair shop, small equipment repair and I'm basically the only employee at the moment. I currently also have an E-Trade account with about $30,000 in the portfolio, and I just wanted to know what you guys would do in my position to take advantage of the tax benefits of having an LLC. You know, Roth IRA, the questions are endless, but if you were in my position, what would you do as a small business owner with very little staff and just wanting to minimize the tax repercussions? Thanks a bunch. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, look into setting up a SEP IRA. SEP IRA for yourself. Okay. That's a, 
So that's really for the small business person that's one-man shop, maybe one-and-a-half, two-man shop. You can open a SEP IRA, which means you could put up to, I don't know, twenty-five. was it, $25,000 a year now into a SEP IRA, something like that. Uh, you know, obviously you could do an IRA or a Roth, but, you could, but as a small business, see, if you're the only employee and other workers are – or independent contractors or whatever, you can also maybe set up a, an individual 401k plan for yourself. And these are the type of questions you need to ask your accountant, okay, because he knows more about your finances than I do. But you want to put much, way, much money away in retirement to not to pay taxes today on that money because you don't want to. You want to pay as little taxes you want, and you want to start saving for retirement. And that's if you have the ability to do that. Many small businesses don't make a lot of money, so they can't put much away. But I would look into a SEP IRA or individual 401k uh, uh, if you can. Individual meaning just you as a self-employed person. But if you have employees, an individual 401k is not optional. It's not an option for you. You know, so... That's probably what I would do. There, there's things you can do. You just got to learn how to do it. What's legal and what's with realm of the possibility. Okay, so I, when I first started, that's what I did, by the way. I set up a SEP IRA many, 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 many years ago. They didn't have Roths back then. And the SEP IRA served me very well at the time and still have it today. Well, now it's a regular IRA. You know, now I have a 401k from my office. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here, everybody, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. We used to say that every day. We still mention it. Financial freedom. That means you get to do what you want to do, not what you have to do. So get your questions in now. Ask them. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Ryan from uh, kind of your neck of the woods, going to be California. Wanted to know what your thoughts were on ticker symbol QQQ, the Invesco QQQ Trust. Looks like it's been doing pretty well over the last year and a half or so with the whole pandemic and everything. But moving forward from second half of this year and, and onward, just wondering what your thoughts are as far as putting in holdings for that. Thank you. Well, the Qs have been doing very well for the last 14 years, 13, 14 years since 2008. Okay, so, you know, you can't just say just in the last year or two. No, it's been doing very, very well. And what is the Qs? Well, you're trying, it's the NASDAQ. It's the NASDAQ 100. It's an index. ETS seeking performance corresponding to the price and dividend yield of the NASDAQ 100 index. Okay, that's what the Qs are. Been around a long time. One of the first ETFs is the Qs. So I think on a long-term basis, they will keep going up. I have no doubt about it. But I will say this. It's probably one of the, 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 
the tech sector, which is a lot of the big NASDAQs or tech, are probably one of the most expensive parts of the market. So, uh, you know, it's way, way, way overdue for a significant retracement back to a more reasonable price. But we're not seeing that happen. I can't tell you when it's going to happen. And I think it should be part of anybody's portfolio, some of the big tech companies. You know, so, you know, I, I like it because it's diversified. But, you know, I, I would prefer to see you, well, I, would, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't discourage you from owning this. But I would like to see you own big cap, dividend-paying stocks, ETF. And there's a bunch of Vanguard has four or five of them all by itself. Dividend-paying ETFs. So I'd like to see that as a bigger part of your portfolio than the Qs at this stage. Okay. Facebook, did you see that a uh, antitrust lawsuit was dismissed from, uh, from uh, the courts concerning Facebook by the government? The, the judge says that the government hadn't shown uh, any evidence that uh, Facebook, which has, has 60% or higher of the market, did anything, they, they didn't even show that they had that much. They just, the government just said they had it, but with no evidence, which, you know, that was stupid. Of course, there's plenty of evidence. Why didn't you get it? Get the evidence. Yeah, <laughs> but, but don't think just because they got this lawsuit dismissed, this antitrust lawsuit dismissed, there are others in the pipeline, and there's, and the recent Congress have passed more stringent rules and regulations against big tech. So this is just this is just one step of a long battle. Don't think it's over. It's not over. It's not going to be over for a long time. They were trying to, and they probably will continue to try to get Facebook to unwind, because of antitrust, to unwind two deals they did. One in 2012? Yeah, that was when they purchased Instagram. And then 2014 when they purchase WhatsApp. The government is trying to get them to undo that and put them, spin them off as independent co- companies again. See, that's what I think big tech is going to have big issues. Government's going to continue to attack them. When they get to the size that they are, they have lots of lobbyists working for them, and at the same time, there's lots of, uh, lots of government action trying to break up the lobbies, break up the monopolies. And they should break up them. Because what happens is this is exactly what happens. Facebook bought two competitive type apps, companies, that now are in now are part of Facebook. Well, there's no competition. So what happens is price gouging starts to happen because there's no competition. And then they, they could easily increase their price and put any startup out of business. See, that kind of thing. That's, that's, that's why it makes um, monopolies not a good thing. So I think they're just beginning the battle of big tech. Facebook is one of the targets at this point. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we appreciate you being with us every day from this, on this 4 to 5 Pacific time uh, that we do Monday through Friday. Appreciate it. It's all free. You can get your InvestTalk downloads at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, InvestTalk.com. And, you know, you can, if we, we, would like, we would like you to rate us. And tell us what you think. You know, we want to hear, what, hear from you. We really do. 
And of course, you can also browse our podcast by topic. Had that feature now for a little while. Independent thinking and share success, everybody. This is the best talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.